as you can imagine, growing up in a small town, you know, everybody knows your business. And uh, it, it, it would have been hard enough, you know, to have a grandfather that had done that. But to kind of be in the middle of that trial and for everybody to kind of know you as that kid, um, that's where I grew up. And that's, that's where I spent my first 19 years is uh, dealing with the aftermath of that and dealing with being part of uh, that family and, and specifically being uh, that kid that, uh, you know, was allegedly, you know, the, the product of that. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's show, whoa, just finished recording with Nelson Tressler. Nelson has an amazing story. Now, the story has got a lot of trauma that's connected to it, yet he came out on the other side of that, taking responsibility regardless of what occurred. So I don't really want to give away the details, but I think the average person would have not made it through the dynamics that he did and his family did. Uh, with him. Now, Nelson has now written a new book, uh, The Unlucky Sperm Club. I know it's kind of a play on words, but his point being that no matter what, uh, you can take responsibility to have your life go in the direction that it needs to go. Now, that being said, sometimes people don't know what their direction is. And after over 30 years, we have finished putting together our brand new online course, depending on when you're listening to this, a podcast based on my book, The Quest for Purpose. So that course now is fully functional. It's there. It is a step-by-step roadmap to help you to get clear about your why, your goals, your focus, and just create a framework for you and a roadmap for you so that you can really fulfill all the desires in your life, but not, again, from a self-centered point of view, but from a self-honoring and a service Point of view and so that again that course is the quest for purpose e-course it's there for you it includes four of our assessments and it will just transform anybody's life if you do the work it's what I went through and did similar uh, not as detailed and framed out as this course uh, in 1989 so thank you again for being a secrets of success listener if you like what we're doing please pass it on share it let somebody else know about it leave a positive comment uh, or rating in whatever platform you're listening on. So thank you again for listening. Here's our guest, Nelson Tressler. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, are you lucky or are you unlucky? And what does that mean for your destiny in life or direction in life or impact on your life? Well, we're going to find out today with our guest, Nelson Tressler, who's written a kind of unique book title. I was, didn't even want to kind of say it on air, The Unlucky Sperm Club, but we'll get into his book and that content in a moment. But uh, Nelson, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Ken. You are welcome as well. So, Nelson, we always like to, on Secrets of Success, get to really know your journey. And obviously, we're going to dive into your book here, probably on the second half of the show directly. Uh, but, you know, what's Nelson's story as far as where he was born and grew up and kind of your, 
your heritage as a family as a teenager and a kid? Sure. Yeah, I've got quite the unique uh, origin story. Um, my mom uh, became pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And my mom is one of 15 children. Uh, her father was the local trash collector in a small town. Uh, when what, what part of the country was that in, Nelson? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. 15. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And was, uh, where was your mom in the child order? Was she younger, older? He was probably four or five uh, from the uh, from the youngest. Wow, so kind of male, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, Continue. Well, yeah, while she was while she was pregnant with me, her father uh, drove into the small town square. There, he saw two police officers. He stuck a gun out the window and opened fire, um, killing one of the police officers and critically wounding the other. And uh, eventually my grandfather was captured and brought to stand trial. He was facing the death penalty. And uh, during the trial, my mom testified to the jury that the reason that her father had shot and killed that police officer was that that police officer had raped her and she became pregnant with me. And mm. that's kind of the, the start of it. Uh, eventually. Wow. My, wow. You know, yeah. Uh, now, uh, was it uh, confirmed that he was the father, uh, your father? You know what? I talk about all of that in my book. There are definitely some uh, some twists and turns to it. Uh, so I would I would suggest reading the book. I don't want to give uh, give it away. That's a big part of the book. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we'll keep the secret so that they can find out later in getting your book from that. So uh, with that, um, then was your uh, was her your um, mom's grandfather? Your grandfather convicted? Yeah, he he was convicted. I mean, the first trial ended in a hung jury after my mom's testimony, uh, but eventually the prosecution took uh, the death penalty off the table, and he was found uh, guilty and sent away to spend the rest of his life in prison, which he did. Oh well, well, well sad situation for sure uh, of all those. Um, elements there. Now, um, for you, uh, where do you kind of fit into this whole thing? Well, I mean, as you can imagine, growing up in a small town, you know, everybody knows your business. And uh, it, it, it would have been hard enough, you know, to have a grandfather that had done that, but to kind of be in the middle of that trial and for everybody to kind of know you as that kid. Um, that's where I grew up, and that's that's where I spent my first 19 years is uh, dealing with the aftermath of that and dealing with being part of uh, that family and, and specifically being uh, that kid that, uh, you know, was allegedly, you know, the, the product of that rape. Mm. Mm. Wow. So what did that mean for you, you know, as a kid growing up in that environment sort of emotionally? What were some of the things that you would share with the audience that you sort of went through? Yeah, I mean, I was I was bitter towards that. I mean, I, I talk about a lot of this in, in the book, you know, as far as, you know, being, you know, judged, you know, always having that kind of that scarlet letter with that last name, um, you know, dealing with that. And, you know, my mom eventually married, uh, you know, a man who turned out, to be an alcoholic and very physically and emotionally abusive to us. So, you know, I had those 
trials and struggles as well and, and everything that went along with that. So it was a pretty trying childhood. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's some things that happened that kind of put me on a, on a different course, uh, and trying to, you know, take control of my life and really focusing on where I wanted to end up and what I wanted for my life and my eventual family. And I eventually, you know, set a goal to become the first person in my family to graduate from college. You know, of my of my mom's brothers and sisters, those 15, only two had ever graduated from high school. You know, none had ever attended a college and, you know, I eventually, you know, because of the law that was being lived by my mom and my stepdad, you know, she eventually had, you know, four more children with him. A lot of that was, uh, you know, taking care of those kids kind of fell upon me because of the lifestyle. And I eventually ended up, you know, failing the fourth grade straight Fs. You know, I think I missed school 60 times that year. You know, come to find out, uh, you know, they placed me into special ed to try to get the help that I needed, you know, come to find out I had dyslexia, you know, I couldn't read, I couldn't write, I still can't spell. And that's kind of where I found myself as a, as an adolescent. Mm. Now, what, what was the motivation behind you wanting to go to college? What was driving that with all this stuff that was circling around you? Yeah. What, uh, what sort well, of, uh, what, what occurred to create that motivation for you? Well, so eventually, you know, um, my stepfather, you know, w was walking home from a bar one night. He was drunk and somebody else was driving home drunk from that bar and ended up hitting and killing him. And it was at this time, you know, there's five of us now, you know, four of, uh, four of my brothers and sister are under the age of five. And as hard as my mom's life had been to that point, you know, my stepfather dying, you know, she had dropped out of school in the eighth grade. She's never worked outside of the home. And now she's left to raise five kids. And she pretty much, you know, had no hope uh, of, uh, of ever really living a life now that she thought. And it was at this time that she attempted to uh, take her own life. And, you know, fortunately, she was not successful. Uh, but at that time, after she had done this, the kids were kind of split up she determined that she couldn't care for all, all five of us on our own. So I actually went to go live with my grandmother, who is the wife of, of the man who shot and killed the police officer. And for the first time kind of in my life, I didn't have to, you know, deal with, uh, you know, that stepfather that would come home drunk and, you know, worry about getting beat for no reason or my mom getting beat. Uh, so for the first time I kind of lived in a stable household, mm -hmm. you know, we had food every night and, you know, didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. And so I uh, started just a, to kind just of a note, Nelson, how old were you at that time? When you moved uh, to your grandma's? 11 or 12. Great. So continue. And Sorry. For the first time, you know, I, I started to reflect upon my life and kind of where it was heading. And, you know, it was not heading in, in the, the place that I thought it was going to go. And I started to think, what could I do to kind of put my life on, on a path that was, you know, I was going to be able to live a successful life in my family. And one day, you know, a college counselor came and gave an assembly and they talked about what it was going to take to get into college. And I started to think to myself, man, if I could become that first person in my family to graduate college, 
I could, you know, live a different life. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have to put my family through the things that I went through. You know, I, we would always have food and, you know, so it was kind of at that time that I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And just like what happens so many times when we tell ourselves that we're going to do something that's going to be hard, you know, that voice in the back of our head starts whispering, you know, what are you thinking? You know, two people in your entire family even graduated high school. You're in special ed. You can't read. You can't write. You can't spell. Like, you'll be lucky to graduate high school, let alone college. But, you know, I I really had no alternative. My life was not going the way that I wanted it to. So that after that day, I just started to do the things that I was able to do, you know, that I thought would get me into college. And uh, eventually, um, you know, I was able to uh, graduate high school, uh, and it took 12 years, four different colleges, four years in the Air Force, but eventually I became that first person in my family to graduate from college. Mm, well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm going to drill into that a little bit more here in a moment, but I just want to hear about your relationship with your grandma and knowing that um, it was her husband, your grandpa, that um, was responsible uh, for this. What was that relationship like? And what was your grandma like? Oh, my grandma was, I mean, you know, the, you have those heroes that never get written about, uh, you know, that they're never famous. Uh, but my grandma was just one of those people. I mean, she sacrificed her entire life for her family and not only for her, her kids, but for her grandkids and then for anybody else that ever needed anything. She, she was that person. I mean, she was the person that always told me, you know, Nelson, you're going to make something out of your life. And she would always tell me that. And the more that she told me that and, and, the, and the more that I ended up being able to do, the more I started to believe it. So she was always, mm. you know, my biggest fan. Now, where do you think your grandma got her resilience? Here she has 15 kids, husband incarcerated, now getting uh, one of the grandchildren back because of her daughter just not being having the capacity to, do, to take care of five. Uh, where does she get her resilience, you think? Oh, I, I mean, I have no clue. And it, and it wasn't just me. I mean, she was caring for five or seven grandchildren, you know, at, at any given time, you know, plus her kids. So, you know, and, and we hear we would hear stories of her life and what she had to deal with, you know, with my grandfather. And and, you know, she stood by him her entire life, even though he went to prison for 40 years, she never remarried. You know, she just recommitted herself to that family and was the rock for, for everybody. You know, uh, I, I have no clue how anybody is that strong. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's mm. mind blowing to me. Still. Well, I, I think, you know, part of what we're trying to do in this show is, you know, half of the shows are always story Nelson. And so thanks for being open and sharing it. And of course you put it in a book cause you wanted people to hear about it, but these are the examples I think for everybody listening where, you know, here's a grandma has all this stuff that's happened. She could have rolled over. She could have quit. Uh, I mean, we're here for your story as well, but the backstory is that grandma was really the backstop at that age, 11, 12. And in spite of everything really just made her family the focus. And, you know, 
my parents are still alive as we do this, and so is my mother-in-law who's 90. And I get that, where they just really focus on serving others, and that's their fulfillment. And obviously that was something that was true for your grandma, but everybody listening is that probably, and I mean, there's no way to really, really know, but probably, Nelson, you are where you're at uh, at some part or another because of what your grandma did. I would I would say absolutely not probably absolutely I mean I I look back on my life and and kind of the the ebb and flows of it and kind of where it was and you know w- without her this is a totally different story with a totally different outcome and not not just for me for every for everybody in that family that uh, you know mm. she she was that rock well, when you think about that, that's a legacy, and that's for everybody listening here, too, is that no matter what's happened to you, you always have an opportunity to uh, build into somebody else's life and make a difference, which is you know, part of our purpose here is to help others to live, lead, and work on purpose. So uh, you went to college. What did you take in college? What was sort of the focus that, that, was, that you were interested in? Yeah, so I ended up uh, being, uh, getting a finance degree. Uh, I wanted to stay away from letters and, you know, as I said, with dyslexia, you know, my, my writing skills were not great. So I kind of gravitated towards numbers and I love numbers. So ended up getting a business degree with a, a finance emphasis. Now, you mentioned the Air Force in there. Where did that fit in? That was before, or after or in the middle of sort of college days? Yeah, so I ended up, uh, I, got, I got into college because I was a pretty good athlete and I had one school that wanted me to come and play football for them. So I ended up going there and playing football for a year and uh, it ended up that I couldn't afford uh, to go back to school after my first year. And, you know, just like any goal, you know, there's always those roadblocks and those hurdles that you have to kind of figure a way out. And the Air Force was kind of my way to continue my dream and my goal of of graduating from from college but it also the air force got me out of that town where you know i meant you know i had all that baggage of who i was and what i represented so the air force was a a perfect scenario for me on on both of those cases what did you do in the air force what was sort of your assignment so i worked on the flight line on avionics and electronics Uh, i worked on a a radar jamming, communication jamming aircraft. Wow. Well, so that's pretty cool that, you know, here's this dyslexic kid, and next thing you're working on uh, fighter jets. Yeah. So you were in the Air Force for how long? I did four years. Okay, and then you got your college degree as a result of that? No, so I, I got on the GI Bill, which is, you know, they pay you, you know, you put money into an account, and then they you know, 10 times it, or I can't remember the exact scenario, but I went to school as much as I could when I was in the Air Force, but then eventually, you know, I got out and uh, finished up my degree. It took me three years after getting out of the Air Force to finish the the degree. Well, congratulations, Nelson. So uh, here you are, you finished, you're out of the Air Force, you finished degree, uh, your degree. Now, what did you do? So I, uh, came to the last semester of uh, college and come to find out that I needed an internship. And I didn't realize that. And I eventually, I mean, I, I originally wanted to be a stockbroker. And uh, so I tried to get an internship at a stockbroker house and uh, there were none available. Anyhow, I ended up getting an in, the only internship I could at a commercial real estate firm. 
Uh, didn't even know what commercial real estate was, but I thought, you know, I, I need this uh, to graduate. And it wasn't uh, an option to go another semester. I mean, at this time, I'm 27 years old. I'm married. I have a, a newborn baby. I needed to get out there and start making some money. So I took this internship and to come to find out that uh, I just had a knack for that business and, and a knack for for helping people put together deals. And after the internship, the, the person who hired me for that, uh, you know, talked me into uh, coming on his team. And, and I've worked in that industry for the past 20 years. Wow. Now, you mentioned something in passing here. Where did, the, uh, where did your wife show up and where did you meet her? So I met, I met my wife. I was, came uh, to Vegas on temporary duty. Ended up meeting her uh, while I was here and then uh, did the long distance thing for nine months. Uh, we ended up getting married uh, with nine months left in the military. And then after that, you know, we both decided we weren't going to go back to each other's hometown. We wanted to start fresh, but we, we went to Washington not knowing a soul, Washington State. Uh, and then that didn't end up working out. We, we couldn't uh, find jobs and I couldn't get back to school with, with, with the money that we were making. And my wife's dad is a dentist here in Vegas and uh, he was losing his dental assistant at the time. And he decided that he would hire my wife and train her. And so we came back to Las Vegas and she worked for her dad. And I ended up starting a window cleaning business here in Vegas and use that and uh, work my way through school. Cool. Well, congratulations on that. You know, these little things, gems that sometimes we don't think are important are, are part of the story and part of the journey. So what do you think it was about uh, commercial real estate that was kind of your real wheelhouse as you got into it? What, you know, with all the things that went on, what were some of the things that you were bringing to the table from a uh, a mindset point of view or even a skill point of view that made you successful there, at least to start with, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a broker. So a broker's job is to kind of uh, bring deals to people and put deals together. And, you know, you're, you're not part of the deal, except that you're bringing the buyer and the seller together. And, and then you're trying to convince them to, you know, end up doing the deal. So, I think I just w loved helping people. I was a deal junkie. Um, you know, I, I loved putting deals together and seeing what had to happen. And, and you know, I loved business. I, I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial gene in me. So here, here I was, you know, not, I wasn't able to really start these type of businesses at this stage of my career, but I was able to help put them together. And I really love that and, and love the birth of, of new businesses by finding them the proper real estate and really helping them get going. And all these, all these people that I was working with at this time were small business owners. And uh, I just loved helping them, you know, fulfill their dreams and, and starting their businesses. Cool. Well, my, my son is in real estate, so I get your, the, the, the deal and putting all the things together and all the moving pieces. Now, with that, how, how did you manage with your dyslexia in, in that environment? Because, I mean, there's legal documents, there's all those elements. Obviously, the, you know, the computer's now invented, so it will show us if we've misspelled something you know, as a fellow person with dyslexia. So how did you sort of manage that in that environment? Yeah, you know, fortunately for me, uh, you know, 
I was dealing with what we called letters of intent. And that was kind of the documents that went back and forth between buyers and sellers and, and uh, landlords and tenants. And fortunately, you're only talking about, you know, 15 or 16 of the main deal points. And we got to use a template for that. So it was really plug and play. Mm. And so it wasn't like I was redrafting a new document every time I could just pull it off the computer, input the particulars, and then get it out there. And, you know, that was still a struggle for me, uh, you know, at, at this time. So, yeah, it was I was scared about that. But I think because I struggled so bad with the written word that I actually was able to convey what I wanted to, you know, verbally. And a lot of a lot of what you're doing as a broker is on the phone talking to people and and talking about deals and things. And then eventually I got to the point where, you know, I had an assistant that uh, was really good at uh, being able to write these documents up and proofread them and all that. And so I was able to pass that along to them and then really focus on where my strength was was, you know, talking on the phone and, and talking about all the particular deals and what was good and what, you know, what we needed to work on. Mm, cool. Well, thank you for that. Well, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons that you were wanting to be on the show and just as around your new book, now, of course, we talked off air before we got on as far as the title of the book, The Unlucky Sperm Club. And really your focus, as you mentioned in some of your notes to me, was, you know, your story and overcoming setbacks. What was the motivation to write, you know, here's a dyslexic guy. <clears throat> what was the motivation behind writing this book? You know, I, I was fortunate enough. I mean, I was in commercial real estate, but, you know, through that 20 years, I was able to start some of my own businesses. And I was fortunate enough to, uh, with my partner, you know, we built out one of the largest uh, privately held pet resorts in the country and was able to exit from that business. And we built, you know, some children's learning centers here in Vegas and, you know, family fun centers. But, you know, fortunately, I was able to exit those businesses and get to a point in my life where, you know, what am I going to do next? I'm, I'm still a young guy. And you start, you, you, you talked about a legacy. And I, and I thought, you know, what would I want to do now with my life that, you know, I, I didn't have to, you know, do that grind to to make money. I, I was kind of set there. I still own a bunch of commercial real estate. So it was just, what did I want to do? And this is, you know, helping people fulfill their goals and dreams was where I wanted. You know, after I became that first person to graduate from college, I became obsessed with goals and personal development. And I've used goals you know, in every area of my life over the last 20 years. And I saw what a difference it would make. And I started to think about why I was born in the situation that I was born in. Until a, a few years ago, nobody knew that story out here in Las Vegas except for my wife. And I told her before I got married, I've, I felt obliged to do that. But I never told my kids that story. I never told any of my friends. You know, I was running from from what happened and, and what all that meant. And anytime that I thought about it, it drained me. And for the first time, you know, I truly believe that you get to give meaning to everything that happens to you in your life. And for the first time, when I started to think about how I could help other people, I thought about my story. And I thought about, 
telling that story and and how that could inspire and motivate other people who feel like you know maybe they were dealt a, a, a raw hand when it came to life and the circumstances that they were in and be, because I had done it, maybe they could look at me as an example and say, you know what, if he can do it from where he came from, I can do it where I came from. And a lot of people feel like they're just born in, you know, horrible situations. And we kind of talked about the lucky sperm club. You think of, you think of the Trumps and you think of the Bushes and the Kardashians and you think, well, geez, they're successful because of where they were born. And my spin on it was, you know what, the reason that I'm successful is because of where I was born. And it wasn't, you know, the stereotypical, you know, silver spoon in the mouth, but I was born to where I had to, you know, strive every day to get out of those circumstances. And because of that, I worked hard and I did my best and I strived every single day. And I know what it's like not to have those things. And so the spin on the the title was, I was born in the unlucky sperm club, but if you use those things that you've learned in those circumstances that you were born in, eventually, you know, those have a lot higher likelihood of leading to success than being given everything at birth. Mm. Well, it's interesting and I appreciate that, uh, Nelson. You know, we've had these debates with um, other individuals in the show or just, you know, in social media too, where uh, some people really want to play the victim card. Um, and said, well, I'm this because of what everybody else did to me. And they want to blame sort of the world and, and their situations. What do you say to people that have sort of that mindset? Well, the, the, the problem with blaming anything on anybody else or anything else is that you give away control. And I was there. I mean, believe me, when I was growing up, uh, you know, I blamed a, a lot of people for at any time that I didn't succeed. And whenever I started to succeed, I realized that I was in charge of my own success. I didn't give it to anybody else or anything else or any other circumstances. As soon as I realized that I needed to take responsibility for my own success, that's when I had control and I could start really working on the things that I knew was going to get me out of this situation. But that victim mentality is... It, it runs rampant and it's the worst thing that anybody can do because now they've assigned that uh, responsibility that the, you know, that uh, their success away. And the only way that that can change is if somebody else changes or something else changes, you know, the economy or your parents or your spouse, you, when you assign that issue to them, then they have to change. But when you take that and say, you know what, I can't control what happened, but I absolutely can control the way that I react to it. Now I'm in control, and now I can focus on getting out of this regardless of what anybody else or anything else happened. Mm. If I happen to be somebody who is listening, who is playing the victim card, or knows somebody else who is, any other sort of words of wisdom to help somebody shift out of that you know, my favorite saying is things only have the meaning that you're willing to give them. And just like with this book and, and the circumstances of my birth and the things that I went through as a youth, uh, as soon as I started giving those a positive meaning was whenever, uh, you know, things started to change for that. It, it really think about it. You know, it, things 
only do have the meaning that you're willing to give them. Why would you ever assign a bad meaning to anything? I mean, there are some horrible things out there, but what I found is in, in my situation, if I dig hard enough and long enough and look at things creative enough, I can always find something good out of it. I can always find a way to spin it to where it's going to help me and you know, it's going to help me get to where I want to go. Uh, and I think that's the exact, uh, you know, reverse as well as no matter how good things are, you can give those a negative meaning. So, you know, it's it's that mindset and it's where you want to go and it's finding that fuel, you know, to go in the direction that you want to go. If you want to find the fuel to get out of bad situation, you'll be able to do that. If you want to find the fuel to... Uh, play the victim card, you're going to find that as well because you're totally in charge of assigning meaning to everything that happens to you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that and couldn't agree more, Nelson, with your sort of review of that. Now, we have about five or six minutes left in the show. Before we get sort of to the last comments on that, I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you and how they can find out about it, where to get your book. So where, where, what is that contact information? We'll make sure it's in the show notes as well. Uh, but how could they uh, possibly get a hold of you or find your book? Yeah, we're we're on nelsontrustler.com, and you can find everything on there. The book is available everywhere books are sold. I mean, Amazon is probably the easiest. Uh, just type in the Unlucky Sperm Club, and it, it will pop up there for you. Okay. Well, thanks on that, Nelson. Now, you talk about some philosophies uh, that people need to embrace. So let's see if we have three or four before we close the show, uh, Nelson. And by the way, thanks again for sharing your story. And, and that's part of what Secret Success is about, is making sure that story is out there. But what are some of these philosophies beyond what you've already shared that would help the audience have them consider it or even implement it right after they finish listening to this episode? One One of my... One of my favorite philosophies is time is our most precious resource and uh, we should never waste, you know, a second of it. It's, it's the great equalizer. Everybody in this world gets 24 hours a day to do with what they want. Uh, No matter how much money you have, no matter where you're at uh, in life, you get that same 24 hours and we should use every single second to strive to accomplish and design the life that we want to live. There's so many people out there that, you know, they, they want to wait until something else happens or I'm going to start Monday or I'm going to start at the beginning of the month or the beginning of the year. And they waste all this time in designing, you know, the, the life that they want. And one thing that, uh, you know, I've realized the older that I get is None of us are guaranteed tomorrow, and uh, we need to take advantage of the time that we do have and make the most of it because that is what we are, is Mm. the choices that we make with the time that we have. And as I said, it's the great equalizer. You know, everybody everybody from uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, down to uh, the unfortunate person on the corner with a sign, you know, they both get the same 24 hours. The difference is the choices that they make during that 24 hours. Mm, mm, much appreciated. What are a couple others as we wind up with our sort of final few minutes of the show? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I like the philosophy as far as like never quitting. 
Um, you know, goals may take longer. They might uh, take turns. But when you really set a goal and you're really focused on it, don't quit. I mean, there's so many examples of people who have given up right before success happened. I mean, it's that proverbial, you know, goal miner that's digging in the side of the mountain and, you know, they give up and then somebody else comes in there and, and digs in another three or four feet and, you know, they hit the biggest strike, you know, ever. Mm-hmm. I, I think so many people give up right before uh, they're about to reach success. And we all have that in the back of our mind as far as, you know, our our brain wants to keep us comfortable. And when things get hurt, our brain will scream at us to go back to where it's safe, go back to where you're comfortable. So I think just keep going. And if that goal is, is really what you want, if your why is really strong enough, if you don't quit, you'll eventually reach that goal. I truly believe that if you have enough time enough energy and enough focus that you can achieve any goal that you want to. Mm, mm, thank you for that. So Nelson, any final words of wisdom for the audience and encouragement before we depart today? Yeah, you're in charge of your life. I mean, we talked a little bit about, about that. No matter where you're born or no matter what your circumstances are, no matter where you find yourself you know, now or, or where you were, your, fu- your future is totally up to you. You get to design it by the choices that you make. If you're not happy where you are, start to make different choices. Start to make choices that are going to get you to where you want to go. And it's not necessarily going to happen overnight. Uh, you can't change your life with one choice, but you absolutely can change the direction of your life with one choice and then continue to make those types of choices. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, especially in these trying times that we're in right now, uh, once we know that we're in control of our lives regardless, then we can really focus on taking control and designing that life that we all want to live. Well, Nelson, thank you for uh, sharing with that. People, you've been listening to Nelson Tressler, and his book is The Unlucky Sperm Club. Uh, Thanks, Nelson, for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. What a great conversation, Ken. Yeah, you're welcome. Stay on the line, Nelson. So, Secrets of Success listeners, you know, you know that we agree with what Nelson talked about, that no matter what your circumstances, no matter what's happened, is that playing the victim card is destructive to you. It's not going to help you to get where you want to go. And think about Nelson's story. I mean, we've been, a lot of us have been through a lot of stuff, but boy, uh, if he can come through it, then for sure. Um, you can and so you know what is it you can do what is a choice that you can take responsibility what's the shift what's the one item that you can think about today or tomorrow and I'm really still thinking about his grandma about how she impacted his life by being committed to help others and I suspect if we were to ask her that was really her purpose in life so thank you as, as always for spending your as he mentioned time with us And if you like what we're doing, please pass it on, share it, leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on. You've been listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. 
Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.